Welcome to Solutions Cast, a CFC podcast that highlights cooperative network projects and leader stories, as well as economic and energy industry insights. I'm your host, Christine Pachenik, and today I'm here with Brad Janorski, General Manager of Homer Electric Association, located in Homer, Alaska. Good morning, Christine. Also here with me is CFC's Vice President of Utility Research and Policy, Jan Allen. Good to be here. And welcome back to our listeners who hopefully tuned in to part one of the episode where Brad shared the unique challenges faced by his cooperative and the benefits of adding a battery storage system for both his cooperative and members. Now I'm going to dive right back into the conversation. Jan, one thing I was hoping that you would put into perspective for us is just how large this battery is. It's 46.5 megawatt battery energy storage system. What does that look like in terms of the duration for it? Right. Yeah, it's a, it's, it is a really big battery. It produces a lot of power within a, a fairly short time duration there at about about two hours, right? So as I said, the, the system is tailored to Homer Electric's needs. But I would say for, for a longer duration system, we're talking more than eight hours or so is, is generally what we consider long duration. And in today's world, lithium ion is the main game in town when it comes to battery storage. It's really the, the main battery technology that's reliable and fairly cost effective and is, is coming down in, in price. But the technology is really best suited for those two to maybe six or seven hour duration uh, type applications. We're, we're really not there um, as an industry yet when, when we're talking about long duration or even multi-day uh, duration energy storage. There's going to be uh, a lot of research from both the federal government from the private sector going into looking at different technologies that can last for uh, several hours to a couple days, but uh, we're really not there yet in terms of the economic viability. So what are you currently seeing across the country at other co-ops and just how do you see batteries developing in the future? So that's a, that's a great question. So what, what I would say is uh, Battery storage is, is a pretty flexible resource, right? You can use batteries for a number of different purposes. As Brad said, uh, they're using it for, for a few different uh, use cases. And as we all know, co-ops are unique. We have the, have that old saying that once you've seen one co-op, you've seen one co-op. Um, the, the needs of each cooperative are going to be fairly unique depending on where they are in the country. Um, what kind of resources they have, and so forth. But the primary use that we've seen so far for batteries is one, reliability and resiliency, and then number two, as a demand management tool. So essentially using it uh, as, a, as a traditional load management type, um, uh, type resource. I think going forward, uh, once we see growing amounts of renewable energy, I think batteries will will likely expand um, along with with renewable energy additions in order in order for the system to remain remain uh, reliable and, uh, and and resilient. Great, thanks. I think that gives us a really good overview as to where we are in the current situation, but also just some uh, insight into what might be ahead. Now, Brad. 
Can you just give us a real brief look at where you are with the current project? I know you're commercially testing it, uh, but also I want to dive into a little bit about your vendor, Tesla. They're a big name, they're a household name, and I'd love to hear about that process of how you selected them. Yeah, uh, no problem. In, in fact, uh, going back to Jan's response a little bit, just to add to that, uh, I asked my staff yesterday, it's like, Okay, how does the general public understand what forty-six and a half megawatts means? You know, it's unless you're in our industry, and and they told me it has a storage capability of over thirteen hundred Tesla electric vehicles. I'm like, wow, okay, <clears throat> that that's more than I know, but people can visualize over thirteen hundred vehicles, and uh, and he's right, it's it does have a two-hour capacity, and it's really at what level you have it charged, and and the rate that you discharge it will address its line. That's, that's definitely a great <laughs> visualization, I have to say. It, it is. It, it, it did help. And one of the things we did is we, once the board gave us the green light, we went out for proposals. We did get three proposals. Um, Tesla was not the cheapest proposal. However, um, all three responses we received met our specifications, but Tesla's proposal included so much more energy for a small incremental cost, we had to go with them. Uh, and so far, they've been great to work with. Uh, it's been a good learning experience for them as well, uh, as Alaska's unique location. You know, it's not like putting in a battery in a large grid that, they, that they're familiar with. And so when they came to Alaska, um, they did face a learning curve as well uh, as with our unique environment. So um, they have been great to work with, and uh, you're right, we are commercial testing right now, both the communications and the operational feature. Before we uh, merge it into our daily, hourly schedule that we use for dispatching. And that's something we expect to have wrapped up early, or sometime in January, we should be all done with that. And any challenges or surprises that you had uh, working with your vendor? Uh, I, I believe... Uh, you've mentioned COVID and supply chain issues. I think that's something that we've talked about prior to on the the podcast, uh, even just from an economic sense, that that likely has had an influence in the timeline for this. Yeah, you are exactly right. That's one thing you know none of us could anticipate. Quite frankly, I thought the pandemic would be over in three months and we'd be ready for summer. And uh, boy, was I wrong. So that set us back. In fact, the delivery of the batteries that we were expecting in the spring of 20, 2020 uh, was delayed, and they were going to then later schedule to show up uh, the fall of 2020. And we had learned uh, that if those batteries, if they're exposed to 20 below or colder, uh, for more than 24 hours avoids the warranty. And we're like, no way. We are way too much invested. I am not going to put a warranty at risk on a huge project like this. So we deferred delivery until this past spring. Uh, they actually showed up in the summer of 21, this past summer, um, just so we could avoid uh, any chance of them sitting through minus 20. And yes, we've had minus 20 at the plant <clears throat> since then, uh, this year, as I said, we're back to a normal winter. So that sounds like it was a good call. <laughs> it was a really good call. And um, th the requirement was that unless you have it energized and, and they come with their own 
self-contained HVAC system. They'll heat themselves when they need to, which is more often than not up here. And then they'll also provide their own air conditioning. And if we would have got them last fall, uh, there's no way we would have had time to to get them fully energized, ready for the the cold weather. So it was a great call, Christine. You mentioned your end of the line member a little bit earlier and their interest in uh, the battery storage system. Can you tell me how is this battery storage system going to help them? How how are you communicating that to them? Uh, Well, one of the things it'll do is, uh, as I mentioned right now, one thing unique in Alaska, we we have something called silos. And I don't know if you've heard of silos before. They're shed in lieu of spin. So if there's a trip on the system anywhere on the rail belt from Homer to Fairbanks, obviously all the generation units react to bring that frequency back up to 60 hertz. If it doesn't happen fast enough, we we go into what's called silos. We'll shed individual feeders or de-energize them instantaneously to try and reduce the load. With a battery, it reacts so fast on our system that... um, we do not expect having to use silos anymore. So uh, they will recover that frequency almost instantaneously and uh, members won't see their lights go out uh, unexpectedly at any random time. That definitely is a good thing. I think everybody likes consistent power. Um, And just speaking of uh, reaction time and stabilization, I think, Jan, I had a, a thought. Can you tell me, is that stabilization something that battery storage is really looking at doing for anybody who installs it? Is that an important factor for somebody installing battery storage system? Absolutely. Stabilization, frequency regulation, uh, any sort of reliability services like that, batteries have have a a great role to play right there and and are uh, a very fast acting resource. They can can turn on really, really quickly and, and provide that service very, very quickly. Now, we also mentioned the big investment that this is. Brad, can you tell me how long it would be before you see a return on the battery investment and what that cost benefit would be to the membership? Sure, Christine. Uh, like I said earlier, it is significant. Um, we're going to have just over $40 million into that facility. Um, it's, it's a big number, um, but one of the things we're forecasting is with the scheduled and unscheduled outages, on the transmission line between here and the rest of the rail belt or the rest of the transmission grid, um, we expect we'll save at least 1.5 million annually just in fuel savings that we know of. So it's um, one of the things I didn't mention earlier is right now when we are islanded, whether it was from a fire that I mentioned earlier or just normal scheduled work, which right now, at least over the next decade, um, we are scheduled to be islanded or uh, by ourselves for at least two months a year. Um, we burn twenty four to twenty five thousand dollars extra in fuel per day. Uh, so to try and put that in perspective, uh, the savings add up quickly, and uh, so we do expect you know the twenty year life it will recover its investment, and that's only addressing the fuel component. It, um, that we know of today. It's not addressing the other savings that we're going to hopefully incur as IPPs come online and start adding non-firm renewable resources. That'll reduce our fuel consumption. Um, we haven't factored any of that in. We've just strictly looking at uh, looked at just the fuel savings alone. And uh, so far, it's, it's pretty much a wash, but the benefits are 
um, I think I failed to mention earlier, we have a goal internally with the board that by the end of 2025, um, we'll get 50% of our members' energy produced from renewable energy. Um, it is a goal. I think, thanks to the best, w- we can achieve it. We've got uh, several projects that we are following and looking at, and we want to make sure we make good, prudent decisions. And like most cooperatives, we're following what's happening out on at the federal level in D.C. with these various bills and um, programs that could have a very positive impact for cooperatives. Thanks. And I think... I think you bringing up that goal uh, with your board of directors, that's a great point in terms of just, you know, how you've outlined this project and just what you've done with your own cooperatives in terms of setting up what you're looking to achieve with it. Now, this is my last question, and I ask everyone this. Uh, So can you tell me what your top three insights are for electric cooperative leaders also looking at a similar energy storage project, maybe not of the same size or scale, but just in terms of what that process was for you and some of the the things that you would like to point out about it? Sure, Christine. Uh, Probably uh, first one, define your expectations. Uh, You know, when we looked at it, with a 20 to 30 year life, um, we wanted to make sure we were looking at the long term, not necessarily can we get our payback within the first couple of years. Uh, as you know, Jan is well aware, he follows technology very closely. It's evolving. We don't know what's going to be in place in five years from now. And so just make sure you're looking at the long term instead of what's it going to do for me in the next couple of years. You know, you're financing it over a long term. Why would you not? Uh, recognize the benefits over the long haul. Second, recognize that, as I mentioned, technology is going to change. Uh, it's no different than computers. You could say, well, if I wait till tomorrow to buy a computer, it'll be faster than the one I have today. And if you keep that mindset, you'll never own a computer. And so sooner or later, you pull the trigger. And like Jan said, prices are, should be coming down on storage uh, units. And, and I agree with him. Um, I don't know what role either federal policy or pandemics or supply chain issues could have on that. And maybe it'll drag that, that decline or slow down that, that de-escalation in price. We're just not sure. Um, but certainly, you know, at some point you need to pull the trigger if you're going to do it. And, and yep, you, you just like, like we did, you know, five years, I'm sure the, the best units produced are going to be better than the one that we're building. But as long as the one we built is meeting our expectations up front, um, you can't look back. And then probably lastly, really carefully scrutinize your vendor proposals and make sure that, you know, it's new technology. They're big projects. Um, we've all dealt with vendors who sometimes can overcommit uh, or overpromise their product and fall short on the delivery and um, do your due diligence. So when you do your RFPs, uh, get your vendor proposals, carefully scrutinize them. One of the things that we're careful about is um, we always want the lowest cost, but make sure you're getting what you expect for that low cost and, and don't, don't use that as your single criteria. Um, because like in our case, we didn't go with the lowest cost, but we made sure we went with the best value. So um, that's probably 
enough to share for today. That, and That definitely gives us a lot of insight. Like you said, I think defining those expectations, whether it's for the project itself, your board of directors, or the vendor that you're going to be working with are, is extremely important. Jan, did you have any final thought on those top insights? Yeah, I think Brad kind of hit the nail on the head there that the, the, the future is very unpredictable. There's going to be a lot of issues that both Pull, uh, push and pull at uh, at lithium ion battery prices and deployments and so forth. But what we've seen to date is some pretty tremendous demand for battery storage systems around the country. A um, couple different reasons for this. One is is policies, right? So a number of different states have um, renewable portfolio standards, energy storage targets, and so forth. Uh, there are there are federal tax incentives as well, and as as Brad mentioned, there are a couple of proposals out there right now at the federal level to to further incentivize battery storage, and that's really the big wild card I think for for the future, um, as well as the issues with supply chain uh, increases in commodity prices. I think that's that's also another wild card there in terms of uh, where we're likely to see. Uh, battery storage costs going forward, but I do believe over over the short to medium term that we'll continue to have a lot of demand for battery storage systems around the country. Well, thank you both. And Brad, I hope that we might be able to get back in touch with you at some point once you have some numbers and you get past your testing phase. It's always great to uh, see how these projects are going once you're fully up and running. So I hope we might be able to reach back out and get some of that information from you as well at some point. Absolutely, Christine. It's been great spending time with both you and Jan. And uh, we are excited about this project. And we'd be more than happy to follow up with you in the future when we get a little bit of operational hours under our belt and can demonstrate uh, and have a much more firsthand knowledge of uh, how its performance is, is or is not meeting our expectations. So um, we fully from what we've seen so far, um, I think I think we'll be pleased at, the, at our investment. Thank you for joining us on this edition of Solutions Cast. Be sure to subscribe to get the next episode and check nrucfc.coop slash solutions for more electric cooperative news.